0: Hey y'all, and welcome back to The Rhythm Section, brought to you by The Mind Refinery. I'm your host, Coburn Blair. This week, Kyle and I are joined by special guest, writer, culture critic, and digital guru, Eric Zaworski. We're talking Daft Punk. The greatest dance act ever calls it quits after 28 years. We hope you enjoy this episode. and If you like what you hear, remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's get into the show. Here we are on the rhythm section. I'm joined by my right hand, the best guy next to me,
1: my co-host, as always, Kyle Dennis Kyle, how are you doing? This is actually very interesting because uh, I've never been in this role as far as this podcast is concerned. I enjoy it, and I'm enjoying it very much. So, uh, you know, um, no hate here. You're doing good so far. It's been 30 seconds. Uh, so fantastic.
0: So for our listeners, Kyle is now sitting in the chair that i usually sit in visually you'll just have to picture it i know you can't see it um but we're doing a very special episode on daft punk and we're also joined by a special guest as seen in the Globe and mail fader vice high snobiety we have eric zworski
1: eric how are you doing today
2: not too bad coburn what's going on man good i'm good thanks for joining us
1: yeah no problem hey kyle what's up hey what's up man i love my intros like kyle live from his basement it's like fucking eric's on all these just fucking publications and shit
2: please please i just tacked my name on somewhere <laughs> i mean what can i say are you not in a basement it's not a lie
1: <laughs> it's not a lie <laughs>
0: it'd be like that listen
1: yeah it's real we're, we're out here
0: so today we're talking about daft punk the monumental figures in dance music we're talking about four studio albums from 1997 to 2013, a 28-year run, a Tron soundtrack, and they've recently announced their breakup after 28 years. So it was kind of out of the blue.
2: What do you guys think of it? Do you guys think uh, COVID had any impact on this? I don't think it did at all. Uh, part of me actually thinks that they wanted to delay it last year, but we're probably wrapping things up. Or maybe just felt optically and emotionally for their fans and the world, it wouldn't have gone over well. But um, to me, it seems like it was an amicable ending because it was planned and executed in a very daft punked way. You know, I mean, they used the clip from Electroma, their uh, their 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 indie film, I guess, and um, sent off you know um the two robots into the sun almost and uh kept it very like as the end of a story so part of me wonders if this was a long time coming especially given their sparse output which has more or less always been the case for these um for this act like they um you know when they when they release they release like uh, their last album was 2013 and I think the rollout must have been a good five six months filled with you know SNL reveal to uh, they had interviews with all the collaborators I think they did like eight episodes and um, you know these guys are like a they are like the epitome of like quality and everything that they touch so I do think that this was uh, a long time coming and uh, it just came this past Monday
1: yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, first of all, these guys aren't relentless, you know, they're not a relentless touring group. So, you know what I mean? So it's not like any kind of live logistics were completely fucked up by this, you know what I mean? But I mean, 28 years is a long time to be doing things and they always, you know, they've always been a group that calls their own shots. And for me, this feels a lot like when the White Stripes hung it up, um, they're just like, yo, this has run its course. And I respect that. It's hard to do, you know what I mean? How many people hang around they're not supposed you know what i mean like and they just called their shots but i mean at this point look what they've given to us it's obscene and uh you know i'm glad they get to go out on their own terms
0: yeah i think like them kind of splitting up and and doing it on their own terms is is amicable and i think it makes a lot of sense but like what does it mean to split up when you like you don't tour that often and you know you're not putting out music
2: yeah dude like the their last tour was 14 years ago live 2007 after that they played like coachella uh the year after i believe uh, uh they had a, a set with kanye west at the grammys 2008 i believe um for uh you know um graduation god what's that song called stronger stronger yeah. god sorry uh, um and uh you know these guys like um I, I, I wonder if a tour was planned for Random Access Memories, um, but given the um, laundry list of like superstars on that project, it probably either never came to be or maybe it wasn't in the cards at all. Um, and, you know, of course, people were thinking, well, okay, there's a live 1997, an alive 2007. There was so much hype built around alive 2017 becoming a thing that I think when it passed, I mean myself i kind of thought well anything else we get is gravy and uh it would have been nice to see them live i think that that is for myself one of the biggest music misses i've ever sadly had in my life um they're definitely one of my favorite acts that i never got to see live and i'm just praying that they come back somehow some way but to be honest i'm not really holding my breath i think the way they kind of sent uh the act off uh, i think that's uh kind of the end of the daft books daft punk story
0: so what album got both of you into daft punk and like wh- like where did you get your start
1: i mean for me it was you know the the big city nights video for daft you know it was all over much music and Since I kind of existed at the time with a bunch of music on at all times, I heard it over and over and got it stuck in my head. And then one of my friends, older sisters had the album and then I got into it. And then, you know, like, and I kind of got into it at a time, you know, when I really got into it was through homework because I feel like um, Dig Your Own Hole by the Chemical Brothers came out at the same time, and I was, like, really into that, and it kind of, like, gatewayed me to the rest of homework and what it is. And I, at that point in my life, I was, like, you know, listening to, like, Crasher and Ministry of Sound compilations and shit like that, and then I just Daft Punk completely uh came into my wheelhouse and then of course they're far more accessible i think than you know any of the other you know some of their contemporaries because like for them it's more like taking all like dance genres and throwing it in a blender so i mean Defunk funk uh and the music video i mean at top you know spike jones as usual doing awesome shit and then i mean the homework really the album is what drove it for me
2: yeah it's a colossal album you know um it's one of those ones that are kind of on the list of like, if you want to contextualize the 90s here, this is like a good, this has to be included somewhere. Absolutely. Um, I think it absolutely put, you know, French house on the map, but more kind of, at least from our venture in North America, um, legitimized and brought not legitimized, but like brought house music into places like supermarkets and Walmart and like, like places where like regular people would go, not just to warehouses. Um, for myself, there's a, (laughs) I remember when I was like 10 years old, I used to go to, um, I used to go after school to the community center because we didn't have a babysitter. So myself and my brothers would go and, um, often. And, um, I remember after swimming lessons, one more time came on the the radio, I guess they had playing at the swimming pool. And I remember thinking then, what is this song? This is an amazing song. Sure enough, I heard it on the radio a day later. At this point, it's like 2001, I'm 10 years old. And we always had a computer in my house growing up, and my dad was, you know, we had internet since 1998 type thing. Like, my dad was fairly like, this is the future, this and that, no problem with the kids going on the computer what- whatsoever. And uh, we had Napster, and I remember asking my dad to download this song for me. And that was something that really brought me into just owning a certain artist or group. I mean, I was into music at this point. I grew up, I was the youngest kid on a street filled with teenagers, and they put me onto like everything. But um, that was definitely the one where I felt like I actually discovered them. I mean, never mind the fact that this was like the number one song of 2001. Yeah. But, um, you know, just going to Discovery, the music video, seeing an, a song this kind of captivating with a music video that was like Japanese anime was for like a nerdy kid like myself pretty amazing because like we kind of take it for granted now that like pop stars you know Lil Uzi Vert has tracks about anime I can't remember the one song uh Megan, Megan the Stallion is like a proud anime fan so it's kind of nothing but back in like this time being into like anime was like you're a nerd and it's not good you know so to see like a number one song have a music video and a full length film uh interstellar 5555 um was kind of empowering for a kid just to be like oh wow like like uh, th- i am into this and it's good and other people like fuck with it so yeah like that just started me into uh their whole universe and uh you know it am uh, pretty thankful for that
0: so like early on like on homework Uh, Just, like, re-listening to it recently and reading a lot about Daft Punk. I was reading into Teachers, which pays homage to, like, early acts like Frankie Knuckles and Juan Atkins, who are pioneers of both Chicago and Detroit house.
2: So, uh, Eric, I know you're pretty... you've done... did you do an interview with Frankie Knuckles or... or... God, I wish. Rest in peace. But um, that would be a... that that song in particular is like a who's who of like house like the first like he they they call out um you know dj funk dj rush like they call out like six chicago house pioneers in like the first 5 seconds and it kind of shows like where they're pulling um all their influences from you know like they even get like some of the detroit guys like i think um i i think like the underground resistance guys get called out like like um it's just dr dre is in the house like they they kind of just paint out this uh map almost of like hey this is the forest with which our music walks through and uh you know the song is called teachers and they have the two kind of competing uh vocal tracks very low bass very high and it's almost as if they're like it's like a it's like a who's who it's like a rep track but it's house it's like they
1: they were calling out like house luminaries before like James Murphy and LCD Sound System were even thinking about doing that I friggin love it I think like it's hard for you know especially genre dance music to kind of be aware and maintain like their musical lineage because like I feel like a lot of it is based on like what club were you at what residency were you watching what parties were you at and a lot of it is very anecdotal which i think is also something that is amazing about it and you know i just don't think it has the same way of like preserving itself like you know like obviously like pop music rock music whatever but i mean i really love how teachers does that right it's like it like it carries on this like it's like this storytelling tradition it kind of carries on and like shouting out like the roots of where they come from and you know like they're
2: unabashed about loving and uh respecting you know these people yeah and they you know they call it like romanceny who later sings one more time um it's just a um yeah like it's uh and this is back in 97 you know like a lot of these guys like put out Music on vinyl only, like we're talking, like white label, di- like white label 45s type thing. You yeah. had to know where to buy them, you could only hear them in the club. There was no Spotify, <laughs> so it's um, it's it was a different world for all intents and purposes. And you know, to be clear, like this is very much like protest other music. Like Chicago House was under it was called underground, and it's a very literal description.
0: How do you think house music? kind of translates now like in this you know dsp kind of microwave music era
2: oh jesus i don't know um i think uh i think well now it's accepted and now you hear house music in the supermarket whereas like before like and Punk, to be clear had a lot to do with that whereas before the um the kind of uh machinations that would have pulled it to pop just simply didn't exist it was actually on the contrary you know like uh, like like house was pulling pop not the other way around now it's very much an accepted style of music that you might hear on top 40 no problem type thing with regards to like how the music lives today it's just totally different you know i mean especially after the fact there hasn't been a dance floor in north america in the last year almost so um it's it's definitely a different world for for that kind of music to thrive
1: like now it's so rooted in the mainstream you know what i mean like Okay, so uh, when Keanu dropped ninety nine point nine, like that's a that's a very heavily house influenced album. I mean, this was on it was on the top, it was like in the top ten in a lot of like the year end stuff. And I feel like normally, like back in the day, an album like that that came out wouldn't have gotten that kind of attention. And I think that Daft Punk is absolutely part of bringing that. And you know what I mean. And like I think what Daft Punk did was they interpreted and kind of curated the experience of genre dance music and brought it to the masses house being like kind of the biggest um recipient of that and now like a house like house style beats is like incorporated into hip-hop it's incorporated into like normal like, you know what i mean like standard you know standard pop music like and i mean you've had a lot of artists add that and like try to do that i mean like um primal scream with scream adelica and like andrew weatherall fucking producing it you know what i mean brought acid house to the masses but uh i daft punk has has curated this experience and brought it to the popular music lexicon. And I think now House, I mean, if this had happened before in more of House's, like, infancy, like, it wouldn't have survived really as a musical form. But now people just listening to it, there's DSPs, like, it's preserved and it's, like, a fundamental part of really popular music if you, if you like, really break it down.
0: Yeah, I think, like, you know, House lends itself so well and I think it's also a genre that, I, I for me, I think it's best enjoyed on a dance floor or at a rave or at a club because it it's it's such like it it works really well in big rooms. I love it in the company of other people. Yeah, you don't um, own the
2: speakers it's designed for.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's like I'll never have a good enough sound system at home to really hear yeah. all the intricacies of of my favorite house records. And just like I love hearing DJs play it too because the blending you know changes everything like like eric i think you sent me like this bbc uh radio mix of daft punk earlier today and i was just yeah. listening to that and i just yeah, thought they're like, essential
2: mix and these guys are these guys are pros man like like that's a, a thomas bangalter and and guy manuel like like they are like performers and it's crazy because it's like they put a live album out after their first album that seldom happens even today you know, but, you know, Alive 1997 is a fucking, like, full recording of, like, a set of theirs. And they pressed it back then. That's It's, one, it's cool. one of the
1: greatest live albums of all
2: time. I, I truly believe that. It's it's a substantially important demonstration of the breadth and depth that they were working with then. And they just doubled down on it with Alive 2007, which is an absolute, like, must-listen album. Um, because it just shows how, like, they basically kind of destroy and rebuild their tracks in front of like ten thousand people on a tour and it's all plugged into an ableton powered pyramid like you can't even it doesn't even sound like it should exist and yet it does i mean i was at i mean i was at the live 2007 like i was there i was
1: at arrow hall it was fucking fan like it was really good i mean i i remember like earl early dj sets i had seen like with carl cox he's spinning with five tables and shit like that and it's just this really kind of cool situation but they absolutely blew me away and um i'm extremely jealous yes that was a crazy year for me too because it was like i saw them beastie boys the cure and mars and mars volta all i think it was like within six months of each other during first year which was like a drug addled haze um but like you know what i mean like just seeing the way they do things and like just improvising on the fly as well it's it's i feel like they're almost like these museum uh, sorry these museum curators of dance music and like them being gone now i always wonder what is who is replacing that you know what i mean how do you think like
0: their showmanship contributed to their success and to their mystique like you know from everything from the helmets to the way they did their live shows to their video i think these like these are all just like such big elements of like you know you see them parodied in, like, a cartoon or on TV or something like that, and you know who they're talking about, you yep. know what they're, they're trying to reference there.
2: Yeah, didn't, like, a family guy make fun of them or something? But um, Yeah,
0: I think, like, family guy. I think feel like they've been on, it, like, every major kind of thing like that.
2: Sure. Yeah, it's a, you know, they, they bought into the, um, like, they weren't always robots when Homer came out, you know, they were just some, like, French kids. <laughs> but I think they saw early that, like, we would rather, um, we would rather make it be about the music. And uh, yeah, just elevating that um, platform of the artistry is something we see pretty often now. I think guys like The Weekend re- absolutely took cues from you know Daft Punk's commitment to like the act that they were playing. Like it's bigger than the actual people in the band or group. Let's say it's like we are like Daft Punk is separate almost, and it's a project and i do think that you know that absolutely did add add to the allure and mystique of um you know their name and uh who they were because um a lot of people's introduction i think to daft punk wasn't necessarily from uh, a house like party or or like a, like like going to hear a dj spin their track it was from the radio and to be clear like the fact that they would come out the gate with like a spike jones directed music video in 97 defunct like this is back when spike jones was like the big music video guy right like he was doing like what like bjork and whatnot like yeah. um it's, it's a pretty big, like, you're on the map now. And their music videos have always been, like, it's not really about us type thing. I love, love, love uh, Revolution 909, the music video. It's, like, uh, the whole comp premise is, like, cops break up a party. They stop a girl running out from the, um, like, the club. And uh, the girl looks down at the cop's uh, uh, dress shirt. And he has, like, a stain that looks like blood And then it just plays out this sequence of it actually ending up being spaghetti that, like, the cop's mother made him for lunch. And it's just such a, like, lighthearted, fun, but also, like, kind of playing into, like, what this music was and what this scene was and what, like, where it kind of came from. And uh, I love that, like, these guys, like, never took themselves quite too seriously. And honestly, I do think that plays into the fact that they never were photographed, almost never uh outside of their robot costumes
1: okay so you have spike jones doing da funk and then i'm pretty sure around the world was directed by michelle gondry i think you're right yeah, yeah so I like that's right. that's what you're coming out with you're like you're throwing you're throwing heat right away mm-hmm. um yeah no it's incredible like i've seen under i saw underworld and the chemical brothers live and they're, it's not even close like in terms of the ability to translate um a, you know a quote-unquote electronic music like that to the big to the big stage like sh- the way they were able to do that was fantastic because at the end of the day especially on two on that tour that like that's that's a it's really a dj set at, like if you break it down to, to brass tacks here like just what they were able to do was incredible and the show for never for a minute are you taking your eyes off the stage and what's going on it's just fully integrated you know what i mean they they just did so well with it, and it's literally one of the biggest spectacles I've ever seen. And uh, it was only at Arrow Hall, not the greatest venue, but still yeah. amazing.
2: Yeah, I was supposed to go to that show. I'll tell you a story. My my biggest is probably my biggest regret of my life. I was supposed to go to this show with a friend from high school. I won't say her name, but she. <laughs> but um, my first girlfriend wouldn't let me go because she was jealous that I was like close, well, like one of my closest friends in high school was a girl and i listened to her we had tickets and everything and it remains my biggest regret ever i still kick myself and gotta like i shake my head at doing that but yeah dude like i think they're uh, i think i think their their live is just so it's a shame it didn't happen again and i do think you know um their their grammy performance with kanye really solidified their uh their position within um you know the greater context of pop music before we get to the
0: Grammy uh, show with Kanye in, in um, twenty, wait, two thousand eight? Is that the I one believe two thousand eight? Yeah, 2008. yeah, yeah. Or so, just after that, we have San Diego Comic Con in uh, two thousand nine, and they get announced to do twenty four new tracks for the film Tron Legacy. Um, so they ended up scoring the whole film, which was a huge career moment for them, right? That's sure. Disney owned property. What did you guys think about that soundtrack
1: and, and that um, angle for them? The movie is a hot mess, obviously. There's yeah, the nothing, movie sucks. There's nothing to really... Uh, <laughs> there's nothing really to, to argue about there. But the soundtrack is incredible. It's like, There was a period of my life where if I'm doing work and I just need something to listen to, that is what I'm listening to every single time. When I was hosting, like, Rooms and Rainbow... Not what game was. I'm trying to remember what game it was I was hosting Rooms. Like, the end credit music on that would always be, like, the... When the like match was over, music I would put in, and it was just I don't know. It was just like a real experience. And listen, I'm gonna take music from them, uh, in whatever way it possible, right? So like if there's like Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack by Daft Punk, I'm gonna listen to it because it's gonna be uh, there's just gonna be a level of quality and a level of just head bobbing goodness that you're g- gonna be able to like embrace from it. So in uh you know wrapping up my opinions on it, tron legacy terrible uh i loved the soundtrack some people didn't like it i don't like those people anyways
2: yeah like i don't even think i i remember i know i saw the film <laughs> i don't remember anything about it but uh yeah the soundtrack's incredible that was what 2010 so that was uh university and um yeah it was just great background music um still is you know um definitely not one of my most played like daft punk projects like it's all just like instrumental and you know very clearly a movie soundtrack but um yeah like it it really did um i'm I'm sure they got the bag for that you know like disney's the tron reboot it was like a um yeah like a big um a big ascension for sure
0: so uh, people are, are begging for a, another tron do you think that they would return to the soundtrack if that kind of happened? Are people begging for another Tron? Hey, man, people want Tron. People love Tron. Where are these people? Like, Who get the them f- on the yeah.
1: phone. I, just, I mean, I don't know what nether region of Reddit you're going to, but like, okay. I don't understand why. I'm going to listen to it if it comes out. Continue. So in 2006, I believe, Montreal native
0: A-Track he introduces Kanye West to Daft Punk's music and they become semi-frequent collaborators. How do we think singles like Stronger or their later work on Yeezus affected Kanye's trajectory?
2: There's an alternate reality where Kanye just doubled down on Yeezus and brought a synth and 808-heavy Gestaffelstein, Hudson Mohawk, Daft Punk-powered Hop trajectory to the world and he just remained there forever of course that's not how the story of kanye and and hip-hop went uh, Jesus yeezus was a very obviously polarizing album for kanye um it was somewhat i would say it was a departure for sure especially when you compare it to previous mainline kanye albums like graduation and things however it is by far my favorite kanye west album and I think a lot of that comes with the experimentation and the fact that you had people like Daft Punk throwing drums on, you know, protest tracks, like Black Skinhead, um, send it up. God, imagine having an underground mixtape rapper, King Louis, rapping over Daft Punk. No one else but Kanye would have been able to do that shit in 2013, and he did it. And it's amazing. I think um, that really speaks to the universality, universality, uh, probably not a word, but the, um, just kind of the um, accessibility of what Daft Punk has been playing with from time. You know, it's no surprise to me that they would find each other in a creative space. Um, obviously, Stronger was the big um, Kanye West injected flip on Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger, but I really think Yeezus is going to be looked back on as a pretty um, amazing project to come out of at the time, the biggest rapper.
1: I think that's really well said. I think Yeezus is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's his punk album. I love it. I, I love it very much. Uh, I think what the big thing is is that Stronger and the collaboration with Daft Punk is part of like the expansion of Kanye West into like rapper to pop artist. And I also think, like, that collaboration kind of sows the seeds of what we're going to hear music is like, you know, how it is today. Because, you know what I mean? Like, moving electronic music really into, um, as part of the mainstream, you know, musical vocabulary. I think it opened up new worlds for Kanye West. Because, like, the application of it on Stronger is vastly different from the, um, you know, um, it is on Yeezus. Whereas Yeezus, it's more the dark, Gecephelstein um you know style but where whereas stronger is like this big anthemic um st- you know stadium pop song yeah it's it's the shutter shades kanye 100 percent. that's that's the shutter shades kanye i saw him perform it on stage at friggin um what's it called at Lollapalooza in 2008 which was low-key one of the best lineups i've ever seen in my life it just took him to another place and i think really if you look at his trajectory you know this is one of the moments and this is one of the collaborations i would say uh with him and especially like john bryan that takes in, takes him into another like level and another
2: area of you know, like sonic possibilities and the fact that like Ye started out the album with like on site with his, which sounds like fucking like rolling and scratching like it sounds like we're gonna throw a synth on a brick wall and see that what is, yeah. that is a really it's good jar- comparison. it's like a deliberately jarring introduction to an album that is jarring
1: <laughs> that's my first three that's my favorite
2: like opening three kanye
1: tracks on on his albums like yeah. i would say late registration is my favorite album by him i'm guess i'm as a result of that i'm a little bit more of a you know classicist um but the first three tracks on yeezus they like it punches you in the face right away it comes out hard Like, it's very much is, like, a thesis statement for what the rest of
2: what you're going to hear.
0: Did anybody here play DJ Hero? No.
2: I've not played DJ Hero. I've played Guitar Hero a bunch when it came out. Because I I remember just
0: when uh, Daft Punk, you know, became playable characters in that game and they produced some original tracks for that, which I thought was, you know, another foray, you know, of them in the mainstream. Because I feel like they are an act that, like, even their, their logo or their um, iconography is, like, very, like, I've seen it, like, replicated. It's one of those band logos that, like, I recognize from, you know, walkers and, gym and like, clubs and bars and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's a sticker that I've seen in a lot of places. Um, so then them kind of, you know, having these splashes with the mainstream, but also they've always managed... Their mystique very well they've always you know been there and been you know worth mentioning and, and worth talking about but it's such a concerted run of like doing you know four albums and a soundtrack over that time period or you know in the two live projects i think it's just like it's kind of mind-boggling to me that they you know had such a limited touring run such a limited album run and still have this, like, complete stranglehold because nobody has really kind of come close to their accomplishments.
2: Yeah, like, you know, these guys are definitely the type of people who make music constantly. Whether we hear it or not is another story. And I think that's for the better. Um, It's very antithetical to the world with which we live today uh, for music, but I do think that that has uh, elements of what makes their, um, what will make their legacy so special. Every single project they put out is worth at least one spin. You can't say that about very many artists, period.
0: So the last two albums, I feel like have been kind of maligned in, in by a lot of listeners and fans and stuff like that. How do we feel about uh, 2005's Human after All?
2: So I went on, I went into, um, I went into uh, looking at like old stuff, and I had like a live journal back then. And I wrote a review. Even back then, I knew I wanted to share my opinions with the internet. And um, (laughs) I actually wrote that I didn't like it all that much, even though I um, played the shit out of Discovery. I remember thinking, oh, this sounds very repetitive, even though one could argue, you know, like uh, 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 homework with the nine minute songs like Rolling the Scratch and whatnot also being repetitive. Uh, this one I felt was almost like a um, kind of like a digital, um, let's say, uh, experiment- experimentation of some of the uh, magic that was going on in Homework. And um, it's it's still a fantastic album. Um, I do seem to recall back then, um, you know, technolo- Technologic um, being a big deal, especially when like, you know, um, um, Busta Rhymes and Missy Elliott came out and flipped it, and had, like, what, like, a remix and everything? Yeah, and, song um, was huge. Was
0: that everywhere.
2: was a big song in, like, high school, from what I remember. And that was, like, oh, wow, like, rappers are singing the chorus of, like, a French house duo. Like, it's, like, okay, Daft Punk's here. It's like, they're on type thing. I think that really kind of shows the blending and where music was in the mid-aughts at the time. And it's, in hindsight, really good. Like, I like Human, after all, for what it is. There's not many tracks on there that I would um, revisit often, with the exception of the song Make Love. I think that that is such a powerful sound, like, just powerful tune that you can literally throw on and anyone would love. Um, It speaks to the test. It's, It's a testament to, like, their commitment to, like, simplicity and quality within melody if that makes sense it's it's it, like there's probably four chords in the whole song and it is seven minutes long and just like it is exquisite it's an exquisite tune
1: technologic i like i full-on do not like this album um it's the only one i can say that of theirs about uh technologic is amazing though i love that song i believe they directed the video to uh, I'm trying to think if that was the first one they directed as well. It was really good and I like The Prime Time of Your Life. Um but other than that I'm not really too into it. I feel like I feel like this for some reason had a lot like there was a lot of the same kind of like vitriol not to this extent that people tried to levy at Random Access Memory and I never really thought that that was fair because and also like I think when you're putting out an album Listen, if you're them putting out you and not every album you put out can be like one of the most influential, you know, in music. So like you're gonna have missteps at some point.
2: Yep, there's easily their their misstep album. Yeah.
1: This is what I, I yeah, I would say this is the one.
0: So you you'd say like I would say like Robot Rock is probably in my top five daft punk songs. That's not a bad song. And either. that's yeah. So I think there's I don't know, I, I like human after all. Yeah. I don't like I, it. I, I, I guess if we have to, you know put one album under it's gonna be that album why do you think random access memory's got so much hate though
1: it's my thing with random access memory that i I think people don't get it to be honest with you i think like that's the level like every album you make as i said every album you make can't be among the most influential of all time like homework and discovery so i mean if you're judging them by those standards then you're going to be set up for failure all the time i mean i really like this album whereas i don't really like human after all i mean but, you know, Random Access Memory was, like, this meta exploration of, like, the roots of dance music. Like, Giorgio was so good. They got Niles Rogers on this. Like, it's really exploring where it came from. Like, disco and, like, 70s pop roots. um, Especially for them as, you know, standard bearers of of house and stuff like that. And moving it in, helping move it into the mainstream. Like, it makes sense that they do, like, kind of a disco sounding, you know, record at times. Because like that's the roots of the music, and then like Giorgio with the whole synthesizer thing and talking about that, like I was like, okay, this like this is really good. I mean, I was listening to it earlier today as well, and I just I I really enjoyed listening to it again.
2: Yeah, I still don't know why it gets the hate that it did. It sounds like I loved it when it came out. I still love it. I think it's a pretty important album of last decade. I remember when like the first reveal happened, and because uh, I was extremely online at this point, and um, I think they revealed it on Saturday Night Live. Like, Random Access Memories just came with the uh, kind of the refrain from the get, um, the first single, Get Lucky, um, and that was the big news of the of the um, start of the year and then the um single would drop with you know pharrell williams singing and nile rogers who i believe um is you know contributed to that song for sure um lose yourself to dance and maybe two others um i actually read that he pumped out the whole like his whole contribution to the album in like a day um that's crazy And now rogers is an assassin like this guy is he's a legend absolute legend owes uh we owe a ton of how pop sounds today to uh his band's work and him but um yeah like i I think um you know as as kyle was mentioning like um random access memories is clearly their session musician um studio sounding expensive sounding live instrumentation take on the origins and currency of dance music from a band that is uh that is comprised of like robots (laughs) so i think there was a lot kind of playing at the time for them to tap in the past and to really like breathe some life back into the dance floor especially with the song get lucky you know i mean they played the fuck out of that song when it came out and to be honest i don't really care for it nearly as much as i do for one more time like to be clear i think one more time is going to be looked back on as a song like um the isley brothers twist and shout like it's a song that's going to kind of come with humanity when everything else leaves the 90s and 2000s like our grandkids are going to listen to that song when we're 80 at our 80th or 90th birthday and be like oh this was dope and Not, i think yeah. that 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 going to be around forever it's just a timeless classic like i i mean that honestly it is a timeless song um you know i feel like there are probably people who think that about get lucky to me it's not quite as um universal still a phenomenal pop song but with random access memories you know it was like daft Punk's swan song to so many legends i mean good lord like paul williams is on there um Giorgio moroder the fact that they were tapping people like you know um um, Julian Casablancas, which is so far left, you know, like the fucking stroke singer is doing a tune and he has like tune going like it's actually really, really amazing that the breadth of these guys's range could go that far, pull them in and make sense to say nothing of like, you know, like Panda Bear from um, Animal Collective great great uh art pop indie band uh, oh we'll 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 talk about them one day kyle animal Collective is amazing it's so good but um yeah the fact that they pull panda bear because he famously had one of his uh you know um he's a very reclusive artist himself but had one of his press photos of him wearing a fucking daft punk t-shirt that probably started the conversation and to have like so many people, who, who else is on that? Uh, uh, Todd Edwards, I mean, he was on um saying uh, face-to-face on Discovery. Like, these guys were really kind of showcasing a departure from the essence of Daft Punk, which was, you know, um, a rack of synthesizers and uh, showing that, hey, we'll go in like the biggest studios in the world and pull out something that you can't help but love and i think they did succeed going back to that point about just how immaculately it's recorded like the guitars on the
1: album it, sounds expensive as shit it it fucking yeah it definitely sounds like you're trying to have nice things like it's the just like the, even the, like the guitar like the guitar micing is just so on point everything's compressed perfectly it's not over compressed it's just beautiful and if you're I'm trying to remember I think oh sorry we were talking uh about uh Dr. Dre and we were talking about the first Chronic album and how well the um live instruments are recorded on that this is another example if I was to be like you want to hear an immaculately recorded album this is it just listen to this do whatever they're doing on the microphone w- w- with miking in terms of distancing pressure and all this kind of shit it is absolutely fantastic
0: yeah I think I would blame Pharrell Williams like ubiquity for people kind of not liking the album as much as as much as they should because like those two like get lucky
2: oh that man was going on his run that year yeah, yeah. like it was you just could not escape
0: him he was just like <laughs>
2: him and his hat hits. it was yeah. everywhere <laughs>
0: and didn't didn't they do some stuff on was it pharrell's album or like a soundtrack to like a they did animated a song movie or they did, something?
2: They, yes they did a uh they did a song on pharrell's album girl called uh gust of wind yes Gus and, and, uh, uh, that's right yep and uh and for to be to be fair that is a phenomenal pharrell williams pop album like that is a great great album i i love it there's a song with pharrell and alicia keys on that on the album i can't remember the song title but it's uh, outstandingly good but um yeah like you know Copes like as you were saying like yeah pharrell was just inesca- inescapable
0: so like towards we're getting towards like the end of their tenure kind of in this like 2013 to 2016 period You know, we're talking about the work with Pharrell. You know, we've talked about Yeezus. Um, And then we come up to The Weeknd, who, you know, had been on a meteoric rise. Obviously, one of the biggest pop acts right now. And he Yeah, he played a little
2: show called the Super Bowl recently. Yeah,
0: a little little tiny one. Yeah. Didn't cost him $7 million out of his (laughs) pocket or anything. Yeah.
2: So there's a few special effects, some explosions, fireworks. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's all, you could do that at home. I was proud I of the that same shit. Same as the Mod Club show. Yeah,
1: I was yeah. so proud of that. Yeah, the Mod Club show. I, I was so proud of that shit. I'm like, you know what, man? This guy's just emptying his own money into this. I love it. So like, for him to get there, we also have to stop at
0: Starboy, which I think was, to me, his best crossover album. And I think what Agreed. made him cemented in pop. And I think Daft Punk were a big part of that. So why do you think... The weekend went with Daft Punk for that album.
2: I think he uh, I think Abel has said in the past that he is a major fan of Daft Punk even before um, um, their collaboration. I think um, artists like The Weeknd who add an aura of mystique and uh, anonymity behind their artistry owe a lot to that whole swag to be honest. You know we kind of take it for granted or, or, or it doesn't phase us the way it kind of did in 2001 to have almost anonymous artists put out like celebrated works of art. You know, we have people like the late MF doom rest in peace who like had like, Oh, that was their thing. You know, I do think that Daft Punk was responsible for a large part of that wave. Um And yeah, you know, to your point, like uh if we follow the weekend's uh rise, you know, starting off as a semi anonymous, what do you call it like r&b uh toronto sound artist who was not a performer when he came out and i think you guys were saying the mod club show but um to have him go through three pretty celebrated mixtapes that quite quickly get him put on the map to dropping a very uh forgettable i don't know if it was his like debut but like kiss land at when that came out it was like oh he could go either way to be brought back with a massive single like Starboy is uh pretty crazy especially given the context of like you know daft punk being like superstars and uh doing a song like this with the weekend very much to like like from from my standpoint at least very much uh elevated him and crossed him over into the uh top 40.
1: if you're the weekend you can kind of just look at Kanye West and be like what does working with this guy do? you know, working with these guys too. And he saw kind of how, I mean, what I like about the weekend is, and especially in this music climate, especially it's like collaboration is everything and your ability to collaborate with people. It really kind of denotes how successful you're going to be. And, you know, Connie West, uh, despite having a massive ego, doesn't have an ego for that kind of thing. He's like, let's bring these guys in. They can make me better. I think the weekend sees that and is like, I think that can be applied to what, I'm doing just in that more of a in you know in kind of a less like industrial influenced like kind of sound and more in a like darker European pop like sense uh you know addition of dance elements and I think it was really good because first of all the track Starboy is incredible I love that album and I, you know what he's able smart he knows what he knows what happens and he knows you know how to kind of move, you know, move the needle and with them he was able to do it and I think he just it was a, a
2: daft move. Would you say it's a daft move?
1: I would say <laughs> I would say it, is, <laughs> it was the opposite of a daft move, but yes, it's a daft move if you will. Do do we prefer Starboy or I feel it coming? Starboy. I like Starboy a lot, man.
2: The motherfucker Starboy.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's Come on yeah it's the video so for that good. is amazing as well oh so good! yeah it's just it's just like i think it's his best track to be honest with you just the way it's able to go from like sparse to like more intense and crescendoing at the end and it's done like it's just immaculately put together it's really good it's good for the club it's good for headphones it's good for driving
2: what more do you want
0: so uh, between pharrell kanye and the weekend what collabs did we think fit the best
2: i think kanye to be honest I think Kanye's uh, a borrowing of Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger during, um, you know, Gradually, graduation. I feel five. like that,
0: that that set the tone for graduation almost. Like, I feel like it kind of, like, Agreed. colored colored the big poppy and the bright notes to it.
2: Agreed. It was his, um, yeah, it was Kanye making, like, the fucking statement on pop, you know, like, he won. He beat out baggy jeans
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank god thank yeah. god for that.
2: <laughs> yeah yeah he beat 50 cent to a pulp no just kidding <laughs> but, um, like yeah he really um just said like fuck the world type thing and uh and uh to have like daft punk join him on live tv playing their um playing their like you know rgb like midi controller and shit was like pretty crazy in hindsight that was like their first ever tv appearance and uh yeah i think that um you know their their later work together on yeezus really at the time was uh jarring and um just super cool like like i i I wish i could go back to like 2013 and just feel again that that feeling of like the rollout and all these like polarizing kanye west songs come out and to know people like daft punk were on the boards for them is just so crazy
0: yeah i think Yeezus is such a special moment in time. And, like, Kanye kind of being in Paris for all these sessions and then flying, for like, like, King Louis and, like, Chief Keith to Paris to, to do this album it was just, like, something
1: else completely. I also think was Stronger, I mean, like, we recorded half a Kanye West episode uh, just about, like, his stadium ambitions and him bringing hip-hop, um, you know, to the, that stadium grandeur to hip-hop. And I think, like, Stronger is the conduit for that. That's the tip of the spear for that. That's the song that is so big that it has to be i mean he even says it is like stronger has to be on a big stage in a stadium just and it, it you know they're very much part of that and then Jesus and just i remember the snl performance so sick and I, I i just think like them like those two working together you're taking one of the most influential artists of all time and then pairing uh him with uh two of the other most influential artists of all time uh who have dictated kind of how we interpret pop music and what we listen to in pop music and like the the sonic qualities of pop music today and so i mean i really think you can't match that i don't think pharrell and uh the weekend have the smoke for that
0: yeah i think i think that kind of summarizes it i think it's it's kind of like these kind of two big cultural forces meeting in the middle. And I think there's something special about the way that Daft Punk was able to embrace, you know, people that sampled them. Like I remember reading that they, you know, really were honored by Touch It and and by Busta Rhymes and really ended up liking that, even though like it was so different for, you know, what they they had originally done. So I think that the fact that they were willing to embrace people, you know, playing in their world and, and, you know, were going to, go on shows with Kanye and and you know do appearances and stuff like that was really really cool. So what do you what do you guys think Daft Punk sits on these all-time great lists? Like where would you put them?
2: It's hard to say cuz we're still kind of like reeling from the crater that they left on the earth, you know? Like they just kind of announced their end on Monday, but I do think um they won in every sense of the word, you know. They they maintained their private lives while working with the biggest artists on the planet and left memorable projects from their live show to their um, studio albums to their singles you know i actually was <laughs> in the back of my mind praying they would come out for the super bowl i thought that would have been just obscene but um i think they won you know they left on on their own terms i i don't think this is the end of thomas and giman I think it is the end of Daft Punk, whether I'm wrong and they come back for a tour one more time. I think um, <laughs> they uh, I think they uh, I think they have absolutely cemented themselves as one of the most important pop acts of the last fifty years. And I think that they helped ingrain a sound that is very timely but also timeless and about that swing and about that universal quality of dancing and expressing yourself with your body in a context of, you know, euphoria and happiness and and, and love that sadly people um, sometimes don't quite get. And when you think about who they tapped over the years, it's just like these guys knew from the jump their 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 um their taste level was just out of this world. And uh you know like they had like a compilation remix album Daft Club and like even back then they had like you know Slum Slum Village J Dilla and and the Neptunes doing flips on their songs. And this is back in this this came out after discovery I think like 2004 or something. Like These guys absolutely knew what time it was when it came to, like, the bigger context of what they were doing, which wasn't just relegated to, like, French House. And I think they'll be remembered quite fondly.
1: I'll ask a very simple question. If you remove them from the musical, uh, the music, pop music lexicon, does pop music sound the same? No, No question, no. Then they are among the most influential artists of all time. Like, there's very few artists that you can say that about uh especially dance artists too i mean again primal scream scream acid House The masses uh trip hop massive attack blue lines another very influential album chemical chemical brothers dig your own uh hole dj shadow introducing but these are blips right like they have consistently put that out there interpreted all that music not in uh, from a genre sense and just brought it together blended it um injected it into popular music and they have very casually become one of the most influential artists of all time i don't think you can argue that i would say um you know some people don't like it when you're using highfalutin language like that i think that it's spot on and i don't really um i don't really think that's an argument at this point and i think maybe they knew that as well and I mean at the end of the day look what they've given I think that 20 again 28 years is a long time there I, I, they'll never be another daft punk there'll be someone who is maybe channeling the same ideas and with the same I you know but we've um, seen it already absolutely we've
2: seen, it. we've seen the duo like pop pop uh duo dance act already mastercraft
1: Yeah, I think I think more from I think more from uh like influence, you know, like yeah, a gen uh, in terms of like generational artists. So I mean, like think about when we were talking about when we got into these. Like I'm talking about high school. I'm talking about like grade eight stuff. You know what I mean? And you're talking about like how you know the way they packaged their music and the music itself how it influenced you and you know kind of made you feel it was better. It was okay to be a nerd. You know what I mean? Which is when you're a nerd is always appreciated. Uh, I should now I, the nerds won. And exa- you hate ex- to see ex- it. Exactly, you hate to see it. But um, I, I just their contributions are overwhelming, and it can't be argued.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's not really a, an, an argument for their place in the pantheon of of music duos of dance music, house music, uh, their contributions to pop. They are, you know, without a doubt, you know, legends. They're on whatever Mount Rushmore you want to make for those genres. Do do you guys think we'll see them, their names, credits on more pop music going forward? Or do you think they're going to take an actual break?
2: I think so. I think we're going to hear them on, 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 on different um projects. You know, they've had kind of side acts. They, You know, Tomas was part of a group called Stardust that did a song called Music Sounds Better Than You the Chaka Khan sampled amazing tune. Pretty sure it's on Grand Theft Auto 5. Like these guys are out here type thing. You may not know where they are or you may not see them, but I think they're, we haven't heard the last of like Tomas and Guy Perhaps we've heard the last of Daft Punk unless they go on another tour one more time. But, um, you know, I really Just think, um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You heard it here first. That's the reunion tour name. I just think, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, you don't you don't remain in an act for 30 years and just put that away and go like big puzzles for the rest of your life. I don't know if you continue to put albums out as an artist, but um, I'm pretty sure the way they presented themselves over the years and the way they deliberately separated the people from the project was a big like f you to the concept of celebrity and i think uh their music and their legacy is better off because of it
0: yeah i think, uh, I think you, you summed it up on that note i want to say eric thank you so much for joining us
2: no problem where thank can you people yeah.
0: check out your work
2: uh geez um you can follow me on the twitter if you want to hear more of my rants um otherwise uh still debating writing I was thinking, you know, after these guys said goodbye on Monday, well, the first thing I did immediately was buy Random Access Memories and, um, and Human After All on vinyl. Good thing I did, too, because they sold out instantly. I went straight to Discogs. <laughs> no joke. And <laughs> um, It's a good call. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I have all their albums now. I'm just waiting for them to come in the mail. But, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about writing more about these guys because it was, uh, you know, it was, it, I, I really think it's an end of an era and uh yeah i really appreciate the uh, invitation to come rap about daft Pungs. it's been really fun great thanks so much for being here
0: yeah i couldn't have done it without you uh so join us next time when we talk about whatever we talk about